the aim is always to say, okay, let's do it short term and see if we can get you off. Or if people who are coming to me already on meds, maybe if we fix your gut and we, you know, we fix your deficiencies and we really get to the root cause and we get everything back in balance, maybe it means that you can be on 20 milligrams of Prozac instead of 60. Let's see. You know, we have no agenda as as far as like meds. Like we really let the patient tell us what they want to do. But we always want our patients to be able to envision a future without meds if possible, because I think it is. I'm Dr. Seth Osgood, the founder of Grassroots Functional Medicine. After struggling for years with chronic health issues that traditional medicine and pharmaceuticals could not resolve, I finally found relief in true healing with a functional medicine approach. Since then, I've dedicated my life to helping patients around the world transform their health by getting to the root cause of symptoms and restoring their body's natural ability to heal. This experience has shown me that a true state of wellness often requires an integrated approach that brings in multiple disciplines and modalities. In this podcast, I will interview experts across the wellness spectrum to educate and empower you on the tools available to reclaim your health. If you're struggling with health challenges and you're not getting the answers or the results you feel you deserve, or you simply want to optimize your health and take a proactive approach to wellness, this podcast is for you. And if you like the show and find it helpful, please be sure to tell a friend, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Functional Medicine Podcast. I am excited about today's guest and today's topic. It's going to hit home for a lot of people, and I think it's going to be very valuable. We're discussing a functional medicine approach to mental health. There is no doubt that this COVID crisis has taken a toll on all of us physically and mentally, leaving a lot of people really struggling without a lot of options. The number of prescriptions for antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications are through the roof, but there are other options that are much safer and much more effective, not only in the short term, but in the long term as well. And that's what we're going to explore today. Ashley Manell is a psychiatric nurse practitioner and registered dietitian in Richmond, Virginia. Ashley completed her certification in functional medicine in 2017 and recently became certified in mind-body medicine through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C. Ashley is the owner and practitioner at Nourish Health and Wellness, a women's integrative health clinic that focuses on mental health, gut dysfunction, and weight loss. Her areas of expertise include the impact of childhood and adult trauma on physical and mental health. She is a wealth of knowledge. This is a very information-packed conversation, and I hope you really enjoy it. So let's dive in. Well, hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining me on the Grassroots Functional Medicine Podcast. I'm really excited to have you on and appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. I'm pleasure to pleasure to be a part of this. Awesome. Well, before we jump into today's topic, which is going to be an awesome topic, just due to all of the crazy circumstances that we have going on in our world right now, and I think it's going to help a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and what inspired you to become involved in mental health and, and functional medicine in general? But I originally went, was a registered dietitian. So I worked in the nutrition field and I went back to school to become a nurse practitioner. And what I'd always loved about like nutrition and nutrition counseling was kind of the more like 
psychological piece of why people were struggling with weight. I worked with the weight loss surgery program at the university and it was always the the psych piece that was always so much more fascinating to me and interesting. And so when I went back to nursing just because I needed a career change and I needed to do something different, I needed to make more money. And I was going to become a family nurse practitioner thinking that, well, I'll use my nutrition expertise more in that and I'll really it'll be more applicable. But again, I got into nursing and nursing classes. And again, like what I was most interested in when I would read the patient's charts was the psychosocial history, right? That part of of their chart. And so in my program, when I was in there, they happened to open up the psych track. So we have to specialize as nurse practitioners, right? You either become a family or pediatric nurse practitioner, and they hadn't offered psych for years because no one had ever been in, they were never could get enough enrollment. And so enough of us said, you know, if you offer psych, we will, we will do it. We will switch. And I was told, don't go into psych. You're totally pigeonholing yourself. You'll never get a job. Like you should have just stayed as a family nurse practitioner. But I just kept going back and I could, like, that was always what interested me the most. And so I specialized in psych. So I graduated as a, you know, past my boards as a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And, and I worked for my first year was kind of like, you know, as an NP, you're just kind of thrown to the wolves. And I was really just trying to get my bearings with prescribing and learning the meds and, and all that. But I knew that I really wanted to bring in the nutrition piece of it and my expertise and background in that. And people would come and see me, like I was working in a private practice at the time, and they would read on my bio that I had this background in nutrition. And they were like, really want you to tell me like how I can change my nutrition around so I can feel better. And I was always like, I would love to be able to tell you how to do that too, but I can't. And the reason that I couldn't was because I was so traditionally trained in nutrition. I was a registered dietitian. We learned about the food guide pyramid and counting calories and counting carbs. And and then I was so traditionally trained in psych where we learned about meds and symptoms and there was, I could not bridge those two worlds, I realized once I was in it and finally practicing. And so I, I looked around and I learned about functional medicine. And um, when I read more and more about it, I was like, this is it. Like, this is what's going to help me figure out how do I bring in like nutrition into, into the psych work that I wanted, that I'm doing and the, the psych treatments. So it was just kind of like, this, you know, over the years, just searching, like kind of always figuring out this is how I want to practice. This is what I want to do. How do I get there? And what's going to help me do that? And functional medicine is what really helped bring it all together for me. And and so and that's, so that's how I'm, I practice. And so I have my own private practice in Richmond, Virginia. It's a women's mental health clinic. So we specialize, we work just with women and specialize in mental health, gut health and weight management. Well, that is awesome. It's an awesome story. And uh, it's just, there's such a need for that integration right now because there's so many people struggling. I read one of the articles that you had on your website and it was saying that anxiety and depression are of epic proportions in our society, even pre-COVID, right? You know, and you were saying that, uh, you know, an estimated 40 million people in the United States uh, suffer from anxiety with, I think, 17 million having at least one depressive episode every single year. You know, so when people are struggling with these issues, they often get 
thrown either a pill as the only solution or they're told to toughen up and push through it. But what's so interesting about your approach is, again, looking outside of the box and putting all of those pieces together and recognizing that there are multiple factors that contribute to these mental illness issues. And it's just so encouraging to see the work that you're doing. So for, for our listeners out there who are not familiar with functional medicine, can you explain what a functional medicine approach to mental health looks like as opposed to what they may receive from a traditional conventional psychiatrist, psychiatrist or practitioner? Yeah, absolutely. So when patients come to see us, you know, what we're doing is we're really looking for the root cause of their symptoms. So we Whereas walking into a more conventional psychiatrist's office, they're going to they're going to listen to your story and your current symptoms, especially that you're having right then and there, and you know you're not sleeping, you're feeling down, and they're going to make a diagnosis, and then they're going to give you medication to help with those symptoms, right? Whereas what we're interested in doing is really figuring out, okay, why are you having the symptoms? What's the root cause of those symptoms? You know, why are you feeling depressed? What is the insomnia about or the, the chronic fatigue that you're feeling all day or the restlessness or these, you know, this anxiety? Like, what is going on? Because we know that there's so many different things, so many different medical issues and nutrition deficiencies that can cause anxiety and depression. and and all that. And so if we can dig a little bit deeper and get to the root cause of it and then fix the imbalance, fix the issue, it's a much more a satisfying way for us to practice. And it's such a better outcome for our patients, right? It's when you're just doling out meds for symptoms, it's just symptom suppression is what we're doing, right? We're not fixing anything. We're not treating anything. We're just suppressing the symptoms. And when you take that medication away, the symptoms usually come back because you haven't done anything, right? You're just covering it up. That's what functional medicine is, is really looking at, at the root cause and, and, and what, is it? Is it, what is it that's out of balance in, in the body and putting all of their symptoms together, right? Like all of their, their GI symptoms and you know everything because it's all part of the picture. Absolutely, absolutely. No, and I and and I think that's so important because someone can have the same exact diagnosis from a conventional provider, but be there for a completely different reason. And that's why, like you said, it's so important to look outside of the box and figure out what are all of those uh, individual pieces. And I wanted to, I'll ask you about some more of those specifically. But you mentioned the link with nutrition. Can you tell us a little bit about about nutrition and mental health and why it matters? Yeah. So there's so many ways to answer this question. So yeah, it just doesn't matter. Absolutely, it matters. And people often ask me, okay, what's the best kind of diet? You know, if I am suffering with depression or anxiety, and that question, or you know, what foods should I eat? And unfortunately, nutrition is not the body doesn't work like that either. It's not going to be one type of eating or one one way of of eating that's going to help someone not be depressed. There are nutrients that we know, you know, there are that when those are deficient in the body will cause depression. So are linked to, to depression, like zinc and the B vitamins and magnesium and, uh, and things, things like that. So, you know, there's, we have that understanding, but we all know that what, how we eat and what we eat affects how we feel. We know that if we eat like a ton of sugar, we'll have that kind of 
sugar rush. And then chances are will come kind of crashing off of it an hour later. And so, you know, our brain needs our needs certain nutrients to function properly to make to be able you know we need high quality proteins to be able to make our neurotransmitters we need all these nutrients to help metabolize and and to to create hormones and and neurotransmitters and all that and when we're not getting those nutrients in then that's when things really suffer you know and our food supply is just so much less nutritious than it ever was right because our soils are depleted where people are not eating, people were eating a ton. I mean, the standard American diet is t- completely devoid of nutrition. It's devoid of all the minerals and vitamins that we need in consistent amounts, you know, and, and starting with just the gut, like our guts are all, all a mess. Like guts are, are not functioning optimally. We're not digesting well. We're not absorbing our nutrition well. So when you start just there that you're not even getting adequate nutrition and then you're not absorbing the nutrition you do get, I mean, your brain's going to take a hit because it's not getting what it needs, the building blocks it needs to really help keep to do what it needs to do. So that's, and if you think about it, I mean, it's 60% of the calories that Americans eat are junk food calories. I mean, like completely devoid of nutrition. And when you're talking about kids growing up on like just high sugar processed foods and, and not getting nutrition for the brain that's critical when their brains are developing, it's not no wonder that we have an epidemic of mental health issues. And the irony of that too is that we have such an epidemic of anxiety and depression, but yet we have all of these new pharmaceuticals on the market in the last 30 years, right? You would think that if these pharmaceuticals worked, we wouldn't have these issues. And I think we're just, we're looking in the wrong place in terms of, of fixing the problems that we have. Yeah, it's as though people are again, or you know, even in in medical world, are looking for that quick fix. And you know, the reality is, I just, I don't, I don't think it's there. You know, the the longer we do this, we find out that it takes hard work, it takes dedication, it takes sacrifice and change. But the end result is that you're healthy in the years to come, as opposed to, like you said, relying on that temporary temporary band aid. The problem with psychiatry, especially, is that for people, for practitioners physicians, nurse practitioners who take a very biological view of it, right? Who say that you are depressed because you have a, a, an imbalance in your chemical, you know, your brain chemicals or your serotonin deficient. Like that's, that's not how, how our brains work. It's not how, how our moods work either. And so, you know, so when you think about, well, it's a, it's a serotonin deficiency or it's a chemical imbalance, then the idea of taking a pill makes sense to rebalance it. And it, but that's not how it works at all. And there's been actually no good solid research to prove that someone who's presenting with depression has an inadequate amount of serotonin or whatever other neurotransmitter in, in the brain. It, it's just, it's not that. It's such a much more complicated condition, you know, state than people Absolutely. understand. And then, and then it's interesting, you know, even if, if serotonin does play a role, what is it? I was is up to like ninety percent of serotonin is is made in the gut, right? Or, exactly. or, or some crazy number like that. So if we have an imbalance in the digestive tract, whether that's from 
poor nutrition or lack of enzymes or an infection or an overgrowth or an allergy, you know, that by, by oftentimes by altering that, and we see that oftentimes in our patients, they feel substantially better. They feel amazing, not only physically, but mentally when you get to that microbiome or that gut in, in a better place. Well, it's all connected, right? So your gut and your immune system and your endocrine system and your nervous system are all communicating all the time. We know that. And that's like research and science are finally, you know, acknowledging that it's all connected. And and so, you know, you and I as functional medicine practitioners well understand the brain gut connection, you know, but they're still not teaching that in, you know, the psych nurse practitioner and psych residency programs in the country, you know, so it's, it takes just so long for like research to really catch up to clinical practice. And, you know, but but we know that we know, we know that it's all connected. Another thing that I know that you're well aware of and that you uh, educate people on is the link between mental health and chronic inflammation. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what chronic inflammation is and what it looks like and maybe some of those underlying causes that may be correctable to get, give people better outcomes? Yeah. So the way I explain it to my patients is, is your chronic inflammation is just basically like your immune system being in overdrive all the time. So it's, you know, we want our immune systems to be vigilant and to, to be able to kind of keep an eye on things and get, get rid of the things, attack when it needs to attack. But, but once it's done its job to kind of fall back and just chill, really. The problem is when we get inflamed because we're eating high inflammatory diets. So diets that promote inflammation. So high like processed foods, high sugar, when we have chronic stress, right? So we know stress is a huge driver of the inflammatory process in in the body. Um, so, so and what we also know, and that research has been proven, is that people who are depressed, if you measure their markers of inflammation in, in their blood, like their high-sensitivity CRP or other inflammatory markers, they're, they're very often elevated. So we know that inflammation and depression are very connected. We have an understanding that if there's inflammation going on in the body, it can cause depression. I think what we're starting to see now is if you have depression, will that then fuel inflammation, you know, does it work both ways? So the way that we address in inflammation is, is we heal the gut, right? Because 80% of your immune system is housed in your gut tissue. So if inflammation is your immune system, like kind of sending out these red flags and is an overdrive, it makes sense to start he- with healing the gut first to try and calm things down. And so we put all of our patients in the practice right off the bat on an elimination diet for 28 days which is essentially just a low inflammation, whole foods, you know, no processed foods, like high in fiber and colorful plants and plant-based foods and things like that. And, and that, that's where we start. And then we also, a big part of the conversation is how do you manage your stress? Because it's great. I can put you on an elimination diet and we can heal your gut. But if your stress is a 10 out of 10 every single day, there's only so, so far we can go. So those are the two things, like that's where we start, like really addressing inflammation is with the gut and nutrition and then managing stress. And it's amazing how many times just those two, by addressing those two areas, we see people, people's health just turn around. 
completely. It's, totally. it's so rewarding to see. And, you know, if, and if you've been working on those things there, you know, you can reach outside of the box and sometimes you have to, to look at environmental toxins, to look at hormone imbalances, to look at chronic infections. But even if you do have some giggly weeds, I always say reaching for the giggly weeds, we, even if you do have to go outside into the giggly weeds, you still have to address those foundational elements. And if you're not eating the uh, healthy diet that's low in inflammation or, or right for you, or if you're not managing stress, if you're not sleeping, if you're not moving, you're just not going to heal. So we always have to get back to those foundational elements. And I'm so glad to hear you say that. I tell people all the time, I get, you know, when I have to sign or prescribe the elimination diet, I say, I, pe- I get people feeling better on this diet, which, and it's not, it's nothing fancy about that elimination diet, right? I mean, I know you prescribe it too. I get people feeling better on that than any cocktail of meds I could ever come up with. And that was what sold me. When I started my training in functional medicine in 2014, the only thing I had time to do, because I had a very conventional practice, I, had, I was always back to back with patients. And I would just, to those who were willing, I would literally just hand them the PDF of the elimination diet and be like, do this. That was all I, all the time I had to give. I had no further instructions that I had, you know, or that I could give them. And when they would come back, I could always tell when they walked in the door that they had done it because their skin looked so much better. They were feeling so much better. And when I saw that happen is when I just realized, I'm like, this is it. Like food is medicine. And this is just doing this. I, you can't put that in a pill, like the benefits that you get. And I'm still always blown away by it. Even now that I've been doing this for years and years and years, it's just such a testament to to food that, yeah, our food is our medicine and it's our information, you know, for our bodies. And it's so important, like what you choose to, to feed, to, to nourish yourself with. Absolutely. And I know people get frustrated because they, uh, you know, they, they don't, number one, a lot of people don't want to change their diet and then they think they're eating healthy, you know, when in fact they, they may not be. And then I think it's also important for people to recognize that, you know, food has changed over the years, you know, even, even, you know, things like wheat and dairy and, you know, the vegetables, they're grown differently. The soil's different. The farming practices and techniques are different. So, you know, sometimes some of the things that you have grown up knowing to be healthy actually can be your worst enemy. And that's why it's so important to work with someone who can help you tease that apart and figure out what foods are going to fuel your body and what foods are going to trigger inflammation. And that's where the, in, the, in the, um, elimination diet is just such a powerful yeah. tool. Yeah. But I wanted to get your feedback on, or I want to ask you a little bit more about hormones. You know, we see in our practice, a lot of women seem to have a spike in, uh, in mental health problems, whether that's anxiety or depression around their cycle. Is there a link between mental health and hormones? Can you just touch on that and explain why that might be the yeah. case? Yeah. I mean, I think you could ask any, you know, any woman, like, you know, is there a link between mental <laughs> health and hormones? And, and they'll say, yes. Yeah. So there's a very complex kind of it's, um, relationship between the sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, all that, and the neurotransmitters and the brain. And there actually, there's still so much we just don't even know yet or understand. And so, so I want to correct you though. And then, you know, it's not, I wouldn't call it like a mental health problem that they're having right before their no, cycles, yeah. right? But like, it's just kind of a natural, just shift in, in mood. And I think there's, so the, the problem is when it, for some women, those changes can be really debilitating right before their cycle. And so, and I've always said, you know, I think I have a, actually a blog post about that is if, 
you go and see a conventional psychiatrist and they're not doing a really thorough assessment of of your cycles as as a woman like as either if you're still getting your periods or what it was like to go through menopause to really have an understanding of how these these cycles have have affected you in your life so they're not doing their job they're missing a really big part of the picture because we're they're we're so affected by them so the problem is is that when it really becomes you know debilitating and people have to miss work or so yeah there's a huge huge connection between that and a lot of it has to con- be related to diet ability to detox if you can't detoxify your hormones well because you're not getting adequate nutrients stress right i mean like stress again we keep going back to stress but that affects your sex hormone production pathways again as is inflammation so it really when it all comes back down to inflammation when you can get that and i always tell patients that like if, if someone's coming to us just because of hormone issues, we're still going to heal the gut first, right? If they're coming to us for anxiety or whatever, we're still going to heal the gut first. Because when you heal the gut, everything else falls into place. Again, because the gut's communicating with the brain and the endocrine system and your hormones. I mean, I, you know, whatever, I just said that. But they're all communicating. When you start with the gut, you have a lot less work to do afterwards because things kind of fall into place. So we do, but there is a lot of, there are great supplements, there are great treatment protocols for women who are at different stages. You know, so some women are really suffer through those perimenopausal years. So that's where hormone testing can come in. And, and that's where we'll also prescribe, you know, some bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. It just depends, but it's... um. What's important is to not pathologize that for women, right? So we're, women from a very young age are taught there's something wrong with your body. So we'll just, you know, at age 12 or 13, it's like, we'll put you on birth control because you've got acne. And, you know, and then with the messages that we get, you know, it's this kind of constant medicalizing of women's health and women's bodies. And I think we have to be careful not to do that. And psychiatry has, has done a lot of damage there, right? So a lot of this stuff that's a normal part of what happens to us every month is just, pathologized and given a diagnosis, right? Like PMDD or sexual dysfunction disorder, like all these, you know, everything is, is pathologized now. Mm-hmm. And so helping to, for helping women to understand their bodies and understand that this is normal, but you know, there are things that we can do to help. Absolutely. I think that's the most important piece yeah. is, you know, because they go, a lot of people go to their PCP or they go to their gynecologist and they're just told that, well, Hey, this is, this is life or, you know, there's nothing you you're getting, about it. getting old, get, you're yeah, getting, getting old, old or try the birth control. Like you said, birth yeah. control is frequently prescribed. And I've had, you know, numerous patients get on birth control and it makes them feel like they're going crazy oh because of the impact. So it's so important for people to understand that if hormones are affecting your mood or your relationships, whether that's certain times of the month or throughout life in general, there are things that can be done to balance those hormones to make you feel better without relying solely on a pill. And that's where, like you said, dressing nutrition, addressing the gut, uh, optimizing detoxification, all of those things are so essential and can be a, a game changer for a lot of women. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit more. I know one of your big passions is mind-body medicine. And when it comes to mental health, I know that is a huge uh, component to finding balance, but tell us a little bit more about mind-body medicine, what that entails, 
and how you incorporate that into your practice with your patients. So I just finished my certification through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, which is, I encourage your listeners to look up the organization. It's based in uh, DC and they do just amazing work. The reason that I got into it was I, I felt like, again, I'm clinically, I can heal the gut, I can do the testing. I felt like I, where I was lacking in my skills was being able to really help my patients kind of get back into their bodies. Like if you can tell when you have a patient who's getting very upset with you in the, not with you, but in the office with getting upset talking about something, or you can, you can see their stress and see their anxiety. I felt like I didn't have tools to give them to really help so that they could help kind of soothe themselves. And part of what I've always, what I've always wanted to be able to do for my patients is empower them to, to heal themselves and, and to say that you you can feel anxious and it's okay to feel anxious, but you could do a breathing exercise to help kind of bring the anxiety down. And so I was looking for something like that. I didn't want to become a therapist and, and do that. I, I wanted something that was practical, that I tools that I could give my patients in the office to do and to take home with them. I went into, I found the center and I was, or it was someone recommended that I look into it. And basically the model that we're taught is, we're teaching mind body skills. So we're not doing, I'm not doing therapy. I'm just really teaching my patients different skills that they can use at home to try and to help manage stress, to try to manage anxiety, to it's, it's helping people kind of reconnect with what's going on in the body. Cause we store so much in the body, right? Trauma and stress and, and none of us are moving, especially now in a pandemic, right? Like we're all at home, like in front of our computers working. So we're not moving. And, and part of like completing that stress cycle and, and moving the stress out of the body is, is physically moving, like physically moving it out. And so these different mind-body skills are just different ways that people may be able to kind of access some of the stuff that gets stuck in there. Because not everyone will respond necessarily to this sitting and doing a 10 minute meditation or mindfulness or 10 minutes of breathing, but maybe journaling like every night for 10 to 15 minutes before bed is really useful or maybe doing some guided imagery or, I mean, there's all sorts of different things that we, we teach them. And it was, it's simple. Like the skills are simple. The model, ideally I don't use, I don't really do so much of it in one-on-one sessions. I really do this in a group because there's, uh, a lot of the healing happens within that group setting, but it's it's helping people learn to to sit, to learn to sit still. That it's okay to sit still and to just kind of notice what comes up, right? Like what comes up after we do this exercise together. What are the feelings? What are the emotions? And learn and teaching people how to be present and just being aware. Okay, what's in your body and what comes up, and and not attaching a story to it. Not a, you know not going down the rabbit hole with it, but just learning to be present and learning that that's safe, right? That you can do that because with, when you're working with, we work with so many women who have trauma, sitting still can be really scary and uncomfortable, right? And so if you're a woman and you, you know, have, you just don't sit still, like you're working all the time, then you come home and you've got kids to take care of and all that, like, it's just, you don't learn that skill set. We, you're never going to be able to manage your stress. You know, it's, and yeah, it's, it's something that I am really passionate about and 
and it's the basics, right? Like, you know, you know, we now were just talking about this. We go through all this like expensive, fancy, amazing education and learn these crazy protocols. And then at the end of the day, it's like, oh, are you breathing? Like, can you take a <laughs> breath? You know, like, like we're missing the obvious stuff. And yeah, I know it always blows my mind when you see the basic things be the most effective. And yet, in medicine, it's like the basic things are the last thing that come to anybody's mind. And that's what's so frustrating. It is, but it's also hard. It's a hard sell to the patient, right? Sure. And I always will tell them, okay, I'm like, this is not sexy, what I'm about to ask you to do, right? It's, it's not. It's not some crazy new supplement or anything. It's We're going to breathe together. And they kind of are like, really, you know, it's there's, and I'm like, just trust me. We're going to, you know, we're going to do the soft belly breathing exercise together. And it is, and it's amazing. Like, and, and so it's a hard sell, I think, for our clients and our patients who are just, who want a quick fix. And it's got to be, you know, we've got we've to biohack this and forget that you don't have the, the basics down. Then it doesn't matter how fancy your, you know, your bulletproof coffee in the morning is. With your <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Well, you talk about seeing your patients presenting symptoms through the lens of trauma. And I wanted to touch on that because uh, you know, we see that in our practice. I know you do in yours. How much trauma influences chronic disease or symptoms uh, later on in life? So, can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. So, I that to me was something that I. This one of my areas that I'm really passionate. I give a lot of talks about this in the community, um, and it's interesting. I feel like our education functional medicine did not address that as well. Like we learned a lot about okay, what is inflammation how do we fix it? How do we recognize it? You know, but we never talked about like, where does that come from? And I read this amazing book a few years ago called Childhood Disrupted by Donna Jackson Nakazawe, I think is her last name. Highly recommend it. And it talked about the adverse childhood experience study that was done in 1998 out in California. And it totally blew my mind. And it was, again, like one of those missing pieces to me. It's like, I have these women coming in and kind of over time, they're just in their, they're in their forties and fifties and they, they don't feel well. And then we're diagnosing them with Hashimoto's just kind of out of nowhere. And when I read that book and realized that the number of adverse childhood events or experiences that you may have had as a child, so before the age of 18, the amount, which is kind of just translates to the amount of childhood dysfunction or stress that you were exposed to correlates down the road with so many chronic diseases, especially in women. So the higher your ACE score, so we have all of our patients do, an ACE, they take the ACE inventory. That's part of the new patient paperwork. The higher the ACE score, the more likely they are to develop inflammation or some kind of inflammatory process down the road. So it really helps to explain to my patient who's sitting across from me, this, you're not feeling bad because you knew better and just didn't do better in terms of nutrition or stress management or sleep or exercise, right? It's not because you were lazy and, you know, or whatever, or that you brought this on yourself. It's you were set up because your stress response, your stress growing up was so elevated and it doesn't it doesn't even have to be big trauma right like people always think like well I, I didn't have big trauma but even growing up with a parent who may have had depression or a parent who parents who divorce there all sorts of different things can cause children to do 
their fight, their flight or flight response just kind of is always on. And so their stress hormones and chemicals get released and their brains get developed under these stress hormones and chemicals that otherwise shouldn't. And that really affects health down the road. So it's fascinating. And so we see, so that's part of the big discussion, the big conversation, big piece of the conversation we're having with our patients is tell us about your childhood. You know, what was it like? And, and making them understand, it's helping them just change their story around what, you know, why they're feeling so bad, you know, so we can't change the past, obviously, but when you can change your story about why you're feeling so awful, it can really change the trajectory of the, of the healing path you know, if you can all of a sudden realize that it wasn't your fault and you can get better and we can help you fix that, then it's very empowering. So, and then as far as like more specifically for psych, you know, this is why I don't believe in diagnoses or I don't give my patients diagnoses of bipolar disorder or depression. And I hate, I hate the DSM because people are depressed and anxious just because of, it's mainly because of trauma. If a psychiatrist spent, you know, a little bit more time in their new patient appointment, really delving into, okay, what was your childhood like? Or have you had trauma in your life? Or, and as humans, we all have trauma. We all have some kind of trauma. And, And how the body responds to it, they would see, oh, this is not bipolar disorder. This is just, this is you, your trauma coming up here. So in the end, we're, you know, we don't put labels on people. We really kind of just look at their symptoms in that context of their, of what happened to them, you know, and treat the symptoms and, and if if that's, and then help them, help them work through it. So it just makes sense. It just makes sense. Right. It's not right. I know. It's not rocket science and either, you know, anything, nothing about integrative or functional medicine in my mind is, you know, true rocket science. And yes, conventional medicine has its time and place when you have an acute issue. But a lot of these, these strategies that are so effective are really, like you said, just getting back to the basics. Do you mind telling people what DSM is? What the DSM uh, yeah, so The diagnostic, oh my God, I don't even remember. DSM, diagnostic statistics, man. Yeah, statistics. I don't even. I don't even have mine because I threw my copy out. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's okay. a classification system that we use in psychiatry to diagnose, right? So you decide, like, and every time it comes out, we're on the fifth revision of it. There's even more conditions. There's more things that you can find wrong with someone. So it's just this way of labeling and diagnosing people based on their symptoms, and it's basically put together by you know old white men sitting in a room being like, you know, what do you think? bipolar two looks like and oh if they're presenting like this this is what we'll call bipolar two i can't right. it's awful it's, <laughs> i mean everything like all of us have a, a dsm like if you just look through the book they pathologize everything you know right. grief like everything has a diagnosis now it's insane and so. it's just a label to justify a treatment to a justify a billing code to you know it's just By a pharmaceutical exactly yeah. exactly and uh, again, it's awful. So we don't, we don't. On the note of pharmaceuticals, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about that, you know, and and I know, so can you tell me, you know, I know there's a lot of cases where pharmaceuticals are inappropriately prescribed just as a band-aid or because, you know, clinicians don't know what else to do essentially, but do you feel like there is a time and a place for certain pharmaceuticals? Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I make it really clear to people that, you know, functional integrative medicine is not anti-pharmaceutical. At least we are not in our practice. I think a lot of people are hesitant to go to an integrative or functional medicine practitioner because they'll be like, oh, they'll just 
they won't prescribe or they'll shame me for being on pharmaceuticals. And that's not at all what it is. We, we absolutely do use pharmaceuticals, but because we have so many other tools in our toolbox, it's not the biggest tool. It's a small one, but they are definitely appropriate in certain cases. And so we, you know, we, we do prescribe and, you know, if I have someone who's coming here and is really depressed and can't get out of bed and can't get even feed themselves, like how, am I going to expect them to do an elimination night or go get their lab work done? Like, you know, but maybe if I can give them an antidepressant for a short period of time that gets them feeling better so that they can then do these things, I think that that's a good thing, right? The aim is always to say, okay, let's do it short term and see if we can get you off. Or if people who are coming to me already on meds, maybe if we get fixed your gut and we, you know, we fix your deficiencies and we really get to the root cause and we get everything back in balance, maybe it means that you can be on 20 milligrams of Prozac instead of 60. Let's see. You know, we have no agenda as as far as like meds. Like we really let the patients um, tell us what they want to do. But we always want our patients to be able to envision a future without meds if possible, because I think it is for, for a lot of people. I think people get prescribed medications and they just kept getting refilled and refilled and refilled. And then 25 years later, you're still on the same antidepressant and you don't even remember why you've, you went on it. That's not what antidepressants were meant, how they were meant to be used. So, so absolutely. I've seen really, you know, I've seen some of the pharmaceuticals save my patients' lives, keep them from having to go to the hospital. So, so yeah, we just, it's just not all meds all the time. And it's, you're definitely not going to walk out of here with five different, you know, medications from us. Right. And I think what you said about, I mean, that's exactly how we practice as well. You know, we can use medications if we need to as a temporary solution to make life easier. So you can do the things you need to do to get healthy. Right. And that's always the goal. Sometimes we need them longer. Sometimes you can get rid of them completely. You know, each case is different, but I know a lot of people when they go to their doctor, you know, they're told, this is something you're going to need for the rest of your life. And I just, I agree. I don't think that has to be the case in the majority of cases. Yep. No, exactly. Well, you know, this has been awesome, but do you, do you mind telling us a little bit of a story, maybe a story of a patient who was struggling with either depression or anxiety, who went through your program, took this functional medicine approach, you know, just a little bit about what that journey looked like and what their outcome is just Mm -hmm. so we can relate it to people. So we worked, um, and actually if you, I'm going to just highlight the, there's a video on my website that we did, um, of an actual patient who went through our program. And so if you want to kind of see that and like see her in person, she's, she's on there. And so she came to us a few, two or three years ago and she had been, she had had one episode of, of psychosis after she had her daughter. So she was 30 years old when she had her first one, her only child and had never had any mental health issues before, like nothing, you know, just maybe, maybe some regular, you know, anxiety in high school, just normal stuff, but nothing, never had mental health, any, any issues. And then she had, I think a pretty bad, like kind of psychosis episode or just like real mood, mood swings up and down three months after she had the baby. And she was labeled as having bipolar disorder and then for 18 years was prescribed just every single mood stabilizer you could imagine. And when she came to us, I think she was on 1500 milligrams of lithium 
couple other antidepressants and like something for sleep. And she she came to us as a last ditch. She was just like, she was at a point where she's like, if this doesn't work, I her kind of life was just not worth it. Like she just was, she was overweight. She was tired. She couldn't, she had one daughter who was in high school and getting ready. She couldn't engage with her daughter's act. And you know, so she gave this, you know, she decided to give us a chance and give this approach a chance. And we did, she did an elimination diet. She cut out all the sugar and her, she really, you know, she, she felt a lot better after elimination. We did this, we did stool testing on her. She had a parasite. So she also had chronic diarrhea that no one could ever figure out why. So she just, she'd gone into the eye doctors. She looked at her gut. She had a parasite. She had, you know, to- all dysbiosis. So overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria, insufficiencies in terms of digesting. There was a lot going on in her gut. So through the elimination diet and then more focused treatment on what we needed to kind of get rid of in the gut and then replenish, she started kind of just feeling better. Her other vitamin D was a little bit low. Her thyroid was okay, which was remarkable considering she'd been on like such a high dose of lithium for so long. So we got her feeling like she started physically feeling better, right? And then seeing like... I mean, like better, better, just from change. Like really it was the food, you know, just cutting out the sugar was huge for her. And, you know, putting, we put her on omega-3s and magnesium and a lot of nutrition that will support the brain. And then once she was ready, we started decreasing her meds. Like, so we just started getting, you know, and we did it really slowly. We made sure that everything that we could find on the testing was corrected and rebalanced. And when we knew that that physical foundation was in place, then we were ready to take her through like a slow med taper. And she's been med free for almost two years now, I think, a year and a half. That's amazing. That's phenomenal. And it, and it, I think it just to me, what was, you know, she got put on all these meds, and and so she had this diagnosis of bipolar, and it just that became her story for eighteen years. I have bipolar. That was what her psychiatrist. Prescri- and then she doesn't fault them. And I don't either. They were just looking at her through the lens of psychiatry, which is like, she has bipolar. You're going to have to be on meds for the rest of your life. Whereas what she probably had was some postpartum psychosis, like triggered by this, the huge fluctuating changes in hormones. And, but it's like, she got, you know, she got some to some psychiatrist and they labeled her as bipolar and it just became her story. And it's in those meds are harsh and they just wreak havoc on your body and you gain all this weight and you crave sugar and all this stuff. So, you know, we, it's, she was such an amazing person to work with and she was ready. She was absolutely ready to do it. And that's, that's the difference, right? So there are some people who who aren't and who don't want this and that's totally fine. You, you have to be ready to do take this approach because it's a lot it's a lot of work it's sacrifices like it's work it's sacrifice and there's changes and it's not going to be fun 100 percent time but like i said i mean what is the value of getting off of those medications and not having to deal with the side effects of those medications and and realizing you don't you're not you don't have bipolar like just mentally yeah absolutely and i remember very recently telling her like that's not your story anymore like you don't have to worry but you can deal with this stress and anxiety and you're not gonna you're not gonna fall apart because that's not your story anymore um and that's really powerful 
So that's why, that's why we love what we do. I know it's, it's so rewarding. Well, this has been an absolutely awesome conversation and I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know, I know we'll have to get on and chat again for sure. But uh, I always like to ask the guests, you know, what is, you know, and maybe you can make this around mental health. If, if for everyone out there who may be struggling or, you know, just having some issues, whether that's low grade, you know, depression or whether that's a diagnosis like bipolar or, you know, someone who's just a little bit anxious because of the world we live in. What is one health tip that the majority of people can implement to really better their state of wellness? What, what piece of advice would you one, give them? If there's only one that I can one give. Thing, I one thing, one thing. Like get out and like get out and walk and move your body. And I, I'm saying that to all of my patients right now because we're, none of us are moving and exercise is the best antidepressants, the best sleep medication. It's, it, it's the best of everything, you, you know, and you've got to move that energy out of the body. And, and so I would say go get up and go for a 15 minute walk. I love yeah, it. I love it. And is it. All the research in the world, you know, whenever they compare it to exercise, whatever pharmaceutical it is, it always loses to exercise. They always lose. And it's just so and important. There's so much resistance. To it, but it's just, again, like, it's just go for a walk. You don't have to go, you know, do CrossFit or whatever. Right. Like, it's just literally just go move your body. And, and, it, and people really underestimate how important and how much better you can feel. Awesome. after that so that's and then sleep nice. then sleep would be sleep. the next thing that right, right. that's exactly. not even yeah it's like not even nutrition first it's exercise and sleep move right. moving and sleeping so well how how do our listeners find you if they want to learn more about you and your practice what how do they get in so touch they can go to the website which is just www.nourishhealthandwellness.com and you can look us up on social media where there's still there's some good stuff good stuff up on our Instagram page still. We're not posting very regularly. Um, but so just and check out some great website. articles and testimonials That's on there. Not, yeah. And so, yeah, the website, there's a lot on the website and, and our Facebook page is actually still pretty active. And that's, um, uh, rich, uh, RVA food and mood is the name of the Facebook page. So we'll put all those links in the show notes, but thank yeah. you again so much for joining us. This has been really informative and I think it's going to help a lot of people and I hope to chat with you again soon. That'd be awesome. I'd love to. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening guys to find more practical tips to improve your state of wellness. Don't forget to join us in the grassroots private Facebook group. Just search grassroots community on Facebook to join. And if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you're looking for a comprehensive program to reclaim your health, check out our adaptation programs at grassrootsfunctionalmedicine.com. We'll help you uncover the root causes of dysfunction, create a structured plan of action, and hold you accountable with regular check-ins so you can get well and stay well in the years to come. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed day.